0: Kia ora, time for our Monday expert feature. Looking forward to this one. Uh, you've all seen TV shows featuring hypnotists where they get volunteers up to the stage and get them to do embarrassing things. Well, today we're talking about hypnotherapy, which is quite different to all of that. June Kellen runs June Kellen Clinical Hypnotherapy based in Auckland. She is a registered nurse with over 40 years' experience helping people in this way. And while working as a pain clinical nurse specialist... She noticed a lack in options for chronic pain sufferers in cases where the medication route wasn't working, and she realised that hypnotherapy could be an effective tool in pain relief, and even in some mental health conditions, she's here to tell us how she came to find hypnotherapy, and perhaps break some of the stereotypes we might have about this area. She promises not to make me cluck like a chicken by the end of the interview, and she's with me in the Auckland studio. Hello.
1: Hi, Jesse, How are you? Good.
0: Nice to see you. Thank you. How did you discover Hypnotherapy.
1: Um, well, like you said, I was um, practicing as a nurse in the chronic pain service, and um, I was looking for another tool that I could use with some of the patients there. And there's quite a lot of science behind hypnotherapy, especially when it comes to pain, also other um, medical conditions as well. But um, so, I, how did you
0: know about this research? Like, how did it come on your radar?
1: Um, well, I I guess it's a bit of um, the internet thing, when you yeah. do a search, things start popping up, yeah. right? So you're looking for alternative methods and things like that. And hypnotherapy was one of the things that came up. And I had actually thought about it before, but just never gone down that um, yeah, down that road. Um, so I approached my boss at the time and said that this is what I wanted to do. And they were extremely supportive. Wow. Um, paid for my training. Um, And the team that I worked in in the chronic pain team, it consists of psychologists, psychiatrists, um, musculoskeletal doctors, um, physios and that. And they just embraced it. You know, it was just an incredible um, introduction to what we were doing in the pain clinic.
0: So, If you've got a question, by the way, about hypnotherapy, you can text me on 2101. I'd be delighted to put it to June for you. Where do you train and how do you train?
1: Um, there's a number of trainings available in New Zealand and there's a lot overseas as well. I trained through the New Zealand School of Professional Hypnotherapy. Um, the course consisted of 10 um, weekends, so it was all day Saturday, all day Sunday, yeah. of training in different topics because it is such a vast um, tool that can be used for many different things. And um, it consists of uh, an a uh, large theory component then also practical components so the best thing about it was that um, once you'd learnt the theory the um, students Practised it on each other, and at the end of the weekend, I used to come home feeling like I'd had all this amazing therapy. It was absolutely brilliant. And then after that, you do um, a portfolio of all the work that you've done and your understanding of the work, and there's some examples that you have to um, give treatment options for and also sending a recording of yourself working with a client. So it's quite a big piece of work. Yeah,
0: and you're a registered nurse, but could anyone... Um, go and do this course and then go out there and tell people they're a hypnotherapist?
1: Um, Usually with the hypnotherapy schools in New Zealand, um, you have to be some sort of therapist already. So a psychologist, a Mm. nurse, a doctor, um, a coach, a mentor. And this is a skill that you add on to all Mm. your other training. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Listen, I'll pepper um, other people's questions with my own. Alison's getting straight to the point. She says, can hypnotherapy help with weight loss?
1: Definitely. Yeah. Um, Hypnotherapy can help with a a vast array of things. But the most important thing is that the client that comes for hypnotherapy has to want the change. Mm -hmm. So if you don't really want the change, then it's probably not going to work for you. So I have had clients come and say, for instance, my wife wants me to give up smoking. And so I say to them, well, do you want to give up smoking? Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, not really. Mm. And so the chances of it being as effective for a person who doesn't really want the change are a lot um, less, more successful than those people who are fully committed and really want to get in there and do the work that's um, required by them because hypnosis is not a magic wand or something that I say to you that makes you change. I give um, my clients lots of techniques to try and ways to change their thinking and so on and so forth and the people who do the mahi, the hard work get the best results
0: Yeah, when it does work how does it work and why does it work?
1: Um I guess it accesses your subconscious mind. Um, so you've got your conscious mind, and that's the chattery bit that's talking to you all day, saying you've got to go here, you've got to go there, I've oh, got to do that, and blah, blah, blah. And then you've got your subconscious mind that kind of um, is like a bit of a hard drive, so it runs programs, and often it will <laughs> run a program that's not very healthy. So by getting someone really relaxed, you can talk to their subconscious and make suggestion. Of changes that could be made in the way they think about things, the way they frame things, um, and the subconscious takes it on board, and the change occurs like that.
0: Why does the relaxing help?
1: Um, because it bypasses that busyness in your mm. in your brain, where there's all that chitter chatter going on, mm. and if it get you get you into a really relaxed state, you can let some of that go. And so um, it just makes you way more accessible for the change that you want to make.
0: Um, Jesse, please ask if hypnotherapy would be suitable for addiction, and in this case for gambling.
1: Most definitely. So uh, addictions um, come in many forms. So you've got gambling, you've got tobacco, you've got alcohol, you've got drugs, you've got um, certain types of behaviour mm and so on and um, if the person wants the change um, the hypnotist works with them to find out what it is that's causing them to have the addiction and working on that so it's getting to the root cause and not just dealing with it on a superficial level it gets right down to the nitty-gritty and makes the change from the bottom up so to speak so that It's not just healing a superficial wound, it's getting right down deep and making the change where it's going to last.
0: So is there some aspect of counselling in there as well as as the actual hypnosis? Or does that all happen under hypnosis?
1: No, no. um, A typical hypnosis session or hypnotherapy session would be probably a good 20 minutes to half an hour of chatting, looking at different techniques, oh, yeah. helping the client use the techniques, practice them and so forth, and then finishing off with a hypnotherapy session. Mm. That's how I run anyway. All the hypnotherapists do things differently. Yeah. Yeah. And, so. and how does
0: the session work? Can you talk us through it?
1: Yeah, so for instance, if I'm seeing someone for the first time, I don't usually do hypnosis on the first visit. Yeah. It's just an extensive interview looking at... Um, uh, a lot of their history, what are some things that have caused them to feel the way they do? Um, what are some of their thoughts around, um, you know, their way of being and how do they want to change? And um, I talk to them about things that will um, trigger change for them. So we're not all the same. Um, some people, um, would change with one particular approach where another person Mm -hmm. might not respond to that approach. So it's getting a feel for the client and getting them to tell me what they want, telling me how do they want to get there. And so really um, a lot of the therapy is mirroring back to them um, what they have already said. So it becomes um, pertinent to them because it's come from within, yeah. if you if you know what I mean. So I use a lot of their own words and a lot of their own phrases so that it's relevant to them. And so every client, for instance, who comes to me for a phobia, say, I don't use the same um, words with every single client. It always changes according to what the client um, feels comfortable with and understands and yeah. all that type of thing.
0: Can you tell me about... Um hypnotism shows, entertainment shows, and how it relates to what you do?
1: Hmm, Sure. So a lot of people think hypnosis is mind control, and um, that's when you've seen a hypnosis show and people go up there and do crazy things, like you said, cluck like a chicken or do a funny dance or whatever. Um, But how it works is you can actually self-hypnotise yourself. And I do teach some of my clients self-hypnosis to help them as they finish their program with me. But in the case of a show, someone will see a show advertised and they'll say to their mate, oh, look at this, this will be a laugh, let's let's go yeah. along sort of thing. And so they're already thinking about going to the hypnosis show and they're already thinking about what's going to happen. Yeah. So in a way, they're hypnotizing themselves into it so then they'll buy their ticket they're halfway there because they've taken another step towards it by the time they turn up on their night they've kind of three quarters of the way hypnotized themselves already before the hypnotist even talks to them so then the hypnotist asks for volunteers by putting your hand up you're saying yeah I'll, I'll come up on stage and do silly things so you're giving the hypnotist permission to make you do those Silly things, because if you didn't want to do them, you wouldn't volunteer, right? Yeah. So then the hypnotist calls some people on stage. He does a couple of things, and he can see which, which um, people are going to fall the quickest. So he keeps those people up on stage, and before you know it, they're in hypnosis, and they're performing, so to speak, for the audience.
0: And what is going on there? And, and, and again, ask, like, what, what is the similarity, if any, between that and what's happening in your clinic?
1: well it's the mind working towards a goal, I guess, um so you know your your mind sets an intention, and by progressively moving towards that goal or intention it's hypnotizing in nature it's like um when you set yourself a goal to run a marathon, for instance, it's small steps towards that goal and every time you're out there training you're saying to yourself I'm going to run a marathon I'm going to run a marathon and so when people come to me for hypnosis for change um, they're thinking I want to stop smoking I want to be free of my chronic pain I want to lose weight I'm sick of having a phobia that type of thing so it's steps towards achieving a goal or change that the person wants within themselves does that make sense?
0: Kerry asks, can some people not be hypnotized? That might help answer the question.
1: Okay, so yes, that is true, um, especially people who don't want to be hypnotized. So if someone comes to me and says, Oh, you won't be able to hypnotize me, I probably can't. But if they come to me and say, I think I'll be difficult to hypnotize because my mind's really busy, that is helpful in the respect that I know what language to use and what techniques to use to calm their mind so that they can be hypnotized and then partake in the hypnosis. Um, But I would never, if someone said to me, you can't hypnotize me, I wouldn't see that as a challenge anyway. I would say, okay, fine, you know, you don't want to be hypnotized. Why would I, you know, want to prove something? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, It's quarter to two uh, Quarter to three rather June Callan is a hypnotherapist She's here for our Monday Expert segment And if you have a question for her um, You can get in touch on 2101 And lots of people asking Whether it will help with certain things Alcoholism Bed wetting Pain management ADHD Smoking Facial twitches So can you tell us Maybe give us some ideas What hypnotherapy can and can't work with
1: hmm. So hypnotherapy can help with most things. However, I would never say to someone if they contacted me and said oh, I've got a facial twitch or I've got ADHD, mm. can you can you help me? I would always want to meet that person first. And so I always offer a half-hour free consultation so that I can meet the person and see whether or not I can work with them and whether or not they can work with me because, you know, it's a building up of a relationship.
0: Like any therapist? Mm.
1: So if the person feels that I can help them and trusts me, I probably can. Yeah.
0: No matter what it is they want help with.
1: Um. Well, I'm not an expert in all areas. Mm. Let's say hypnosis probably can. Yeah. I've got my my niche area of, you know, chronic pain, anxiety, um, phobias, that yeah. type of thing. And the thing is, there's so many hypnotherapists in New Zealand that all have their niche area. You'd probably, if it was something um, specialised, you, you would contact the hypnotherapist that was yeah. best at that type of hypnosis.
0: Tell me about pain and and why hypnosis can help. That suggests that um, some or all of the pain is in somebody's mind rather Mm. than in the location of where the pain is coming from.
1: Well, that's very true, Jesse. Pain is in the brain, but when people get told that, um, they feel that we're dismissing it and saying it's all in your mind. So being in your brain and being in your mind is kind of like two different things. So your brain um, wires itself for pain because pain is a warning signal initially um, to keep you safe. Mm. So, for instance, if you put your hand on a hot plate, you pull it off very quickly, but you would still get burnt because the the message goes up to the brain, the brain turns it into pain, sends it back to your hand, and you pull your hand away. And this all happens in a millisecond. Um, so by when pain becomes chronic, um, the the wiring of your neural pathways has become somewhat dysfunctional. But you can rewire the brain, and in and in that neuroplasticity is a big thing. I don't know if you've ever heard
0: of neuroplasticity. I have, but, yeah. but tell us a bit more about it.
1: Yeah. So by the te- fact that
0: you can undo stuff yeah, in your brain. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So by teaching people ways to combat that faulty wiring. So a lot of it is relaxation, mindfulness, um, reframing the way that you think about your pain, finding ways to um, entrance yourself in something else because um, a lot of people with pain, that's they, they get stuck. That it's all they think about because mm-hmm. it's so intrusive into their life, and that's fair enough. But if you can encourage people like that to do things that bring them joy, things that w- they would normally be so engrossed in that they wouldn't be thinking about their pain, and by training their brain to think differently is basically what it what it is with chronic pain, and it takes a bit of work. It's not something that happens overnight. And it takes a lot of work for, for, for the person, for the client, mm. to retrain their brain. Um, but it has been so successful in that chronic pain
0: field. Um, someone's in touch on text. They say, Jesse, my sister had been a heavy smoker for over 40 years, did hypnotherapy a year ago, was a bit cynical, but open to it and hasn't had a smoke for over one year. That's pretty impressive, and that almost does sound like magic wand stuff. So do you see that some people do respond quite quickly and other yes. people take longer?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's a very individual thing. So the clients all react differently to different, um, you know, techniques and information that I give them and I will give a client some resources and they'll find a particular thing important and really helpful mm. where another client might not like that particular technique. So also give them personal, something eh? else. Yeah. Very mm. much so. Yeah.
0: Vanessa works with amputees and wonders if hypnotherapy could be useful for pain management in that group
1: yeah so if it, if it's an amputee who's got phantom pain, so have you ever heard of phantom yeah. pain? Yeah, so they believe the limb is, they don't believe the limb is still there because they know the limb is gone, but they still feel pain in the limb even though the limb's not there, and there are definitely techniques that can be used to to help with that as well. Physiotherapists are also very good at dealing with phantom pain mm. as well. Um, they have some techniques up their sleeves that they can use as well.
0: Tell me about hypnobirthing.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm not a hypnobirthing expert. However, um, there are some hypnobirthing training options available um, in New Zealand. Um, And you can just Google that if you want to find out about it. Um, However, um, a lot of it is about teaching people how to relax when they're in a state of... um, when they're in p- acute pain. So let's say birthing is acutely painful. Um, it's anxiety-producing for a lot of women because yeah. um, they've never had a baby before. Um, so with hypnobirthing um, and normal hypnosis, I can teach people techniques to relax through the process, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't call myself a hypnobirthing expert, but just relaxation on its own and being able to use techniques to relax when you're in a bit of a stressful situation like that is really valuable.
0: Anything you could lead us in now or or any tips that you could give us for how to um, enter a relaxed day?
1: Sure. Um, Different people find different things relaxing. Um, There are relaxation tracks on the internet that you can listen to. There are various apps that you can get on your phone. There's one called Calm, which is um, a variety of stories, music, Um, sounds like raindrops, waves, that type of thing. Mm. Um, And the value in these um, apps and techniques is is that you can just do it for five or ten minutes a day when you've got, you know, that much time to spare. It doesn't have to be a a long meditation session or, you know, putting aside half an hour every day. But if you can just do ten minutes relaxation every day using some sort of technique like that deep breathing for instance is is one of the first techniques i i teach my clients where you inhale through your nose for say the count of 7 hold it for a moment and then blow out as if you're blowing out birthday candles for 11 and the important part is that the exhalation is longer than the inhalation so that's why we call it 7 11 breathing mm. And it just, um, it calms the vagus nerve, which is often the cause of a lot of stress and anxiety. And so, if you can just, if you find yourself feeling anxious or um, wanting to relax, just by taking three deep breaths can make a huge difference and also get you on that road to going further into relaxation. Um, Doing things that you enjoy.
0: Do you want to lead lead us in three breaths now?
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: So, tell us what we're doing.
1: Okay, so what we'll do is we'll inhale through the nose for the count of seven. It's not seven seconds and 11 seconds because that's actually quite a long time. Mm. And then we'll hold it for a moment and then blow out as if you're blowing out a birthday candle for 11. I'll turn my mic off
0: so I'm not blowing into the mic for people.
1: So I'll count. count. And um, if other people want to try the breathing technique, then go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so... Ready to inhale now through the nose, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, hold it for a moment and blow, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and again, in, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, hold and blow, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, one more time, inhale for 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and blow. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. And now just breathe normally.
0: I hope you enjoyed that in Radio Land. I hope you played along with us. You can text me on 2101. I think I do feel a little nicer after that. And <laughs> you say it's calming the the what? Vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: And you can do it any time, any place. It's just such a valuable tool any time that you're feeling a little bit anxious about something, a little bit worried, it's very, very powerful.
0: What about busy brain people?
1: Mm. So busy brain people, um, I use certain language around um, when I'm trying to make a busy brain person relax, we use what's called confusional induction. So the language that I use, it tends to make no sense if you consciously try to listen to it. Mm. And so it forces the person out of their head because they're going, hang on a minute, what's she saying? Oh, yeah. And so their busy, busy thoughts get left behind. And so it, it takes them out of their head where all those busy thoughts are keeping them from relaxing. And it just gives them this lovely opportunity to...
0: Okay. Can you give us a little bit more on that? Like, what what, what do you mean?
1: Well, I might use language like... Um, You have two hands, and to relax your two feet, you must um, use those two hands to, you know, just like, it's just like nonsensical (laughs) pitter patter. Do
0: you have a script?
1: I have some scripts, but I don't tend to stick to scripts strictly because Mm. I I like to individualize my hypnosis to my clients. And just reading a script to someone often isn't as relaxing. So I, I do get ideas from scripts that I use but I tend to personalise it to my clients more. So using their language, for instance, like I I mentioned before, and words that resonate with them
0: rather than just reading it straight from a script. Do you take someone under? Is that a thing? Are you taking people under when you hypnotise them?
1: Well, you're causing them to relax to different levels, and the brainwaves change on the different levels of relaxation. Yeah, so when you're in hypnosis, um, the brainwaves are similar to... Just before you wake up or just before you fall asleep. Mm. So you're not you're not deep asleep and you're not wide awake, but you're in this beautiful blissful just in between state. And that's what when they've done MRIs on people who are having hypnosis or taken brainwave readings, that's what it shows.
0: How can you tell when somebody's ready, ready for whatever you're going to do once they're in the right
1: um, state? They get um, sometimes they'll get flushing of their face, um, flickering of their eyelids. Um, sometimes they get a little bit fidgety and then they go really calm. So there's lots of different you can signs. Tell. Yeah, I can usually tell when people are,
0: are ready to receive the suggestion. The pips are coming up. Do we need to wake people up?
1: <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully I haven't bored everybody.
0: <laughs> Is that a thing, though? That's what you see on TV, right? People... Um... You know, you put them under and then you've got to, like, bring them out again. How how do you bring them out at the end of a um, hypnosis session, hypnotherapy session?
1: Um, So I might increase the the volume of my voice, um, increase the speed with which I'm talking, saying in a moment I'm going to be counting to five, that type of thing. So it's preparing them for it before I actually do the counting or, um, you know, the method that I've chosen to bring them out of hypnosis.
0: What's the environment like? You've got the curtains closed, got some music on?
1: No, no. Um, some of my deep hypnosis, I use headphones with, with music, mm. um, music of the patient's choice. So there's a number of things, you know, peaceful piano music, modern sort of um, calming music, or some people prefer it without music. Um, we don't close the curtains or anything. I did have one client that found it difficult to close her eyes, so she used to wear a sleep a sleep mm. mask, Um Yeah, so it's a combination of things. Um, The music's quite good, especially for deep hypnosis, because it just adds another layer to that, um, carrying them off into, you know. And are you
0: actually saying stuff about their pain? Are you you telling them, are you reprogramming them,
1: them? Yeah, and, you know, things like concentrate on what's well within you rather than what's not. Um, turn you've got two control knobs in front of you, turn up the comfort knob and turn down the pain knob. Oh, and, wow. you know just being very um, I mean people are either visual auditory or kinetic, so they feel. so you sort of get a feeling for what they are when you talk to them that first time and so you you use metaphors that are gonna they're gonna respond to um, whether they're visual, an auditory or a kinetic person.
0: Important question with 30 seconds to go. How can you ensure your hypnotherapist is reputable? Is there an authority or some sort of certification?
1: Um, Well, there is no real regulatory body in New Zealand for um, hypnotherapists, but there are three or four um, institutions that they're um, self-appointed, but they are all very good at making sure that the hypnotherapists that are associated with them keep up on their annual training and uh, from a reputable... Got it.
0: Got it. Thanks, June. We're out of time. June Kellan, hypnotherapist, really appreciate you coming in today. Cheers. Okay.